Hello everyone and welcome to this new series where I want to take the space to communicate things that are of our shared interest in this path and in this from a different point of view as I usually create my my content and this is completely related to my experience and I wanted to take the opportunity in this first episode to talk about my own experience. So it's of help and of course it sort of lines up what I have in store for, for this series itself. And as most of you know, my work, uh, I have been heavily covering the Law of One, the raw material, as well as my non-dual teachings and I don't think I've ever taken the opportunity to talk about this in the way I want to present it in this video particularly and then uh, taking it as the foundation for the rest of the episodes that I'll be doing in this series and I think it's important for me to first cover the, the law of one because most of you know me for this work and there are many associations that are created when we, when we approach this, uh, this material and these associations have to do with the various materials that are covered within this, um, this conversation because um, it's important to remember always that the, the raw material is a conversation between two entities, basically. Uh, regardless if it was a channel entity or not, or if uh, Don Elkins was an entity or a human, it doesn't matter. Uh, but the, that conversation is simply that, and it yields a lot of great material for people to, to study because the topics that are discussed are of great interest, let's say, for humans. But you see, within the Law of One, I, I got ever more interested in all those uh, signposts that invited us into the mystical teachings of unity. When you, when you study the raw material, at least when I started, it, it began as a sort of uh, curiosity about how can this explain reality, right? There are many questions that I have. There are many topics that I have been seeing that are disconnected in documentaries, uh, seminars, courses, and how people talk about all of this and synthesis and books. And so I, I found, like many of you, a safe haven in terms of connectedness within all of these, um, these seemingly separate topics. So I admittedly got into the raw material because I was curious about what this had to offer in terms of coherence for me to understand what, what was happening in reality. But the more you study it, the more there, there is the invitation by Ra to get to know yourself, uh, 
to understand that many of the things that we are interested in as a society are what they call transient information. Now, they never discourage completely um, the investigation into transient information, but they made a point in saying that they were not interested in talking about that, but of the law of one. And um, that's easy enough. Then there is the uh, metaphysical jargon that is um, created there and that can easily um, produce a, um, an interest and, and a desire to build a model for us to, uh, to understand reality. And I think that's a very powerful thing to get into. I think that's why they spent so much time explaining all the metaphysical um, pieces within the questions that were asked for us to get a better grasp as to how metaphysics actually work. However, I must admit that it is a very incomplete uh, structure that we have and we can barely just scratch the surface of what it really means. And this is where we get into all the interesting things about um, the evolution of the spirit and the processes of the mind and so on. So all of this is metaphysical stuff that is interesting to talk about, uh, yet it still falls short into the investigation of the self. And because of this, um, Ra was sort of limited in terms of what they could express that was more directed towards the knowing of the self. And that's why I find it more fascinating to get into the law of one and explore those parts where we can see those aha moments where we can say, oh, this is what they meant. It makes total sense now within the experience of unity consciousness that really is what they were interested in. Let's not forget that the law of one is a material based on the title, the law of one. The main title says it all. There is only one law, Ra says. That law is that all is one. So it's a different way of saying there is no separation. It's a different way of saying non-dual or not two. There is no two. There is only one. And that's what they were most interested in teaching. Because, and I, I'll, I'll try to make this, this episode the way in which I can, I can give my opinion as to why this is so important. But the, the most important thing to know right now is to recognize that this is the only thing that they care about and they, they really wanted to, uh, as they said, to heal the distortions. They didn't use the word heal, but uh, to correct the distortions is what they said. 
to correct the distortions that were caused by their intervention in the past and the information that they gave in the past um, by expressing it in the most pure way but they were also bound to the let's say contract of having to answer any questions that they were asked except those that were of course uh, infringing upon free will which they rarely did and only they did it out of compassion for the extension of the health of the group uh, the trio of Don Carla and Jim so um, going back to to my own studies in in this process I yes it was interesting to know how um, we can finally see from a very elegant model how the vibration of the atom uh, changes over time due to consciousness and we have evolution yes we have an, a, a cosmology now based on the raw material yes it's interesting to see how the soul is actually a process of mental transformation uh, through not only the human um, experience but through many other type of human experiences which we call third density and there is an ascension which has to do more with the activation of what we call energy centers or chakras and all of this is is fascinating stuff to to get into and over the years it's going to be four years actually since i started um no i'm lying three years uh it seems longer though <laughs> Um, three years since I started doing this I have been able to interact with people who are attracted to this material and as just my mind the way my mind works is that I see where people um, have uh, a struggle to put into practice these concepts into life and I'll explain what I mean by that you see, I'm only interested in practical stuff. I, I, I always say this. I don't care if I have to uh, read quantum physics or if I have to read Alice in Wonderland and whatever it is. I, I, I don't have a preference as long as it has a practical aspect of it. So my being is directed towards practical stuff. That means that I tend to have a perspective that is taking into account those things that we absorb, that those experiences that we get into our lives and we don't apply them because there is a discrepancy in our own being when we're trying to apply this. So one of the things that I noticed over time was that uh, people struggle with trying to apply these concepts into their lives and um, there are some cases of exacerbation of studying certain things transient information or uh, metaphysical models that eventually lead to a confusion and a burnout um, and so one of the phenomenons that I see in people which I experience myself of course I'm not uh, I'm not uh, completely uh, alien to these, uh, no pun intended. <laughs> I'm not alien to, um, to, these, to these feelings. I'm, I'm not a stranger to it. 
But these burnouts happen in phases and there is an overwhelming amount of information that we get and then we stop. It's like we become cloyed by this, um, this, this overabundance of information. Too many books, too many videos, too many documentaries and so on. And that's because we're not putting it into practice. Uh, Ra talks about the law of responsibility and the law of responsibility states that when you don't apply the things in your life that you have been learning, you will feel a sort of uh, friction. A, um, it's almost, it's not even an emotional, but a mental friction, a, a sort of dissatisfaction with life. And so uh, I've noticed this over the years and I, I have been careful myself not to fool because the, the easiest person to fool is yourself. So I've been careful to see where I have been fooling myself into believing uh, certain things that are not congruent with what I know. And so in effect, applying the law of responsibility, which happens naturally. You don't have to think about this. You just have to be honest with yourself. It's, it's all that's really needed. So this, um, this interaction with people, uh, hundreds of people, probably in the thousands already, in the different groups that I created. Uh, oh, I have done so many things over the years to interact with people because I'm interested in see who is attracted to this type of material. And um, I like to know my audience too. So I even went through the process of talking to many of you that wanted to just hop on a call and chat uh, that was a nice uh, era, I would call it an era, of my whole process. Because I am a researcher, I cannot help it. I am a researcher and I love knowing uh, people and their process. I learn a lot from that. And in this process, I realized these things. There are the, the different expressions of interest into these materials. But out of all the things that we can talk about intellectually of the law of one, there is something that I have been showing somehow in my channels and in my podcasts, and that is the non-dual approach to life. You see, non-duality is just another word for law of one, however, there are traditions and cultures and uh, whole um, yeah, cultures that have developed after this non-dual uh, philosophy. And so I got interested in this because this is the closest thing we have in our world that is free from the uh, well, um, almost free of the taints of, should I call it the clergy syndrome of becoming too attached to teachings, to specific texts and calling sacred texts. There are no sacred texts in non-duality, at least in uh, say Taoism or uh, Buddhism, Zen, even Zen, I mean, especially Zen, my God, do they have no 
text at all. <laughs> um, so that was very attractive to me because I I cringe on the um, the exposition of teachings as a sort of way of um, achieving spiritual um, what should I call it attainment, uh, spiritual advancement, uh, whatever it is. Something in me just didn't resonate ever with this type of um, fanatic approach to, to spirituality and the self. So non-duality became a very important aspect of my life and I, I indulge in all of its teachings. Being very, very precise to notice when there were some, let's say, possibilities for this to become a sort of uh, religious approach to things. It's very difficult. It's very difficult to do it with non-duality because there is, there is simply no invitation for that. But the result is not so much the study, but the experience that came out of getting into the non-dual aspect of the self and how does that impact my life? Now, here's the thing. I, I said that I am interested in practical stuff. I'm only interested in that which can be put into practice. Like I said, I am a research and I'm a scientist at heart. I like to see how, um, how I can find proof of my own, uh, my own beliefs. Because beliefs are one thing, and when they are left at beliefs, it's almost like they get stagnant and they start rotting, and they become something of a less useful thing in your life. Beliefs are not, they're not productive. You want to transform beliefs into knowing. That is the key. That is transmutation. If I ever use that word in an appropriate context, that is proper transmutation. Belief into knowing. There is a huge difference. I can make you believe so many things, but I can only allow you to know, or not allow you, but help you to know a few things because it depends on you. For you to know, it depends on you. And so this is what non-duality is uh, it's concerned with. Um, in fact, we have the problem of language that knowledge in our Western world is equated to intellectual information, uh, as it were, in a database in our minds. That is knowledge. It's a very knowledgeable person. He reads a lot of books and he is very uh, intelligent. What a knowledgeable man. You see, this is not a proper use of knowledge in, um, in the context of mystical information or mystical knowing. Knowing is simply, it's actually the opposite. 
It's not no intellect, no mind. Munen. She means that no mind. And that is pure knowledge. It sounds so mysterious, but it is not. It is the very fabric of reality. It's knowing. So if you can get with that, you have awakened. You have no further uh, text, intellect to massage or text to seek. No teachings. None at all. That's why in Zen, they don't worry themselves with teachings. Uh, particular teachings, that is. I mean, they have methods. The methods are, methods are, are in, inevitable. Because when somebody wants uh, you to, uh, to show them something, I like the word show instead of teach. I've said this in the past, and Spanish has a very synonymous word, or uh, a modern, hominin, I think is what it's called with enseñar, which means to teach, but also means to show. I will show you my new, uh, my new car, my new, um, my new sweatshirt that I bought. I will show you. I won't teach you. I will show you. And I love this, you see, because that, that's what non-duality is concerned with. It's concerned with showing you. It's showing you what you already know, but are ignoring. And I found that this made a huge correlation with those mystical teachings of Ra in the Law of One. They are there. In fact, I am compiling a lot of information within this, the rhetoric of Ra to show you how much they uh, exhibit this view of non-duality. In essence, that all that exists is awareness. That the only thing that exists is consciousness. In reality, the only, the only thing that exists is awareness. It's a sea of consciousness and it modulates itself to appear as separate objects. But in essence, it's not. And so this this is the the basis of of the law of one. If you can understand this, rather if you can know this, then you have awakened. Like I said. So I'm primarily concerned with awakening, the awakening process. Um, it's a heavy word to use still, but I'll continue to use it more and more. Enlightenment. Enlightenment is not exotic, it's not exuberant, it's not a, uh, a state of being that is other than what everybody is. Enlightenment is the simple stage of knowing, knowing who you are at any moment. And so, of course, I, I began to uh, specialize, if you will, or narrow down my interest into this teaching, this showing of how you can awaken from the illusion of separation. Why, you may ask, why would I want to do that? Well, here's my argument. 
everything that you do in search for your life, every seeker is seeking, as Ra says, the one. Why do we do that? I mean, I don't seek the one. I don't even know what the one is. Well, why, why do I do that? Why do they say that? Because the qualities of the one is really what you're conditioned to look for. The, the qualities of the one, the one self of awareness are peace, happiness, and love. These are inherent qualities of awareness. The beautiful thing is then, that's what you are. You are nothing else. When you truly investigate the nature of yourself, which is what I love doing with people, you find that nothing that you think you were is true. I mean, it doesn't hold the rigorous um, process of investigation. It doesn't. It is as simple as knowing that you cannot hold a thought without it disappearing or being substituted by another thought. Try it. It will never happen. And so what you think you are will dissolve always under the lens of awareness. So you see, I, me, of course, interested in this information, I, um, I took a turn into wanting to to work with people with this. Uh, my messages in the content that I produce is completely permeated by this. And I have uh, very little desire to discuss and to, um, to go into other investigations that are, are not ultimately um, veered towards the knowing of the self. In other words, um, to me particularly, they seem um, dull and, um, and I don't mean this in, in a pejorative way. It's just that for me, any other exploration that doesn't end in the knowing of yourself is a sort of distraction, right? It's, um, it's a distraction for what we're really looking for. I have to be very careful with how I say things because there is a phenomenon that I call contradictory cognition, which is the um, the moment in which we, we hear these things. And for example, this creates, uh, this is the reason why I say that I have to be careful because I know how people react now to these type of um, affirmations. Because it is, it is an affirmation that all that we seek is ourselves. What we're seeking is happiness. We look for love and peace. All of this we look for in the material world. Ignorant of the fact that we are the ones, we're the source of it. So this uh, um, cognitive contradiction is that we we hear something um, 
like I just said, that anything that we seek is uh, is the self, uh, or it, otherwise it's a, it's, a, it's a distraction. Well, it's not that it's a distraction in the bad way. Even the distraction is the seeking of the self, only that we ignore it. But there is another aspect of it, and is that sometimes what we seek is informed by our own self. This is what we call acting out of abundance, acting out of no expectations, and that is completely fine. That has nothing, that, that is no seeking. See, that is sharing, that is pure sharing. Seeking is I feel incomplete and I need to find something that is going to fulfill me. When you revert this and say, I am fulfilled and so I am going to seek to share this fulfillment. That is a different story. So that's the cognitive uh, contradiction that sometimes happens when we don't understand what fulfillment really is. And so we say, so does that mean that what I do is wrong? Well, that is not a proper question. <laughs> um, I mean, it is a proper question. So all questions are valid, but it's just that is is missing the point. And that's the idea. Um, that's what sinning actually is, <laughs> missing the point. You sin when you miss the point. So in, um, in this process, like I said, I, I got really interested in only um, talking about this because I, I can see how distractions can uh, take us away from the path that we are actually seeking, whether in ignorance or with full knowledge of what we're seeking. I became ever more interested in finding ways in which I can I can give this message that I can I can share this with people. And that's in essence one um, my my synthesis my my devotion for life has turned. The reason is because I, I experience what it is to end the seeking, to no longer feel unfulfilled by things that I thought I needed, and to find truly in my own experience to know, no, no, no longer belief, but to know that all that I was looking for was myself. And again, because of my scientific uh, mind, I intellectually knew all these things, but I couldn't put it into practice. I really couldn't. And that always left me frustrated until I found the direct path, which is one I teach, which is what I use for teaching, the way into knowing yourself. And the direct path is the most scientific approach you will find or may find to the knowing of yourself and the fabric of reality, which is you, to the unity consciousness that we seek. This direct path came to me um, in the most important moment in my life where everything was just coalescing into the law of one 
and non-duality. The direct path completely bridged everything that I had in, in my stored intellect and in my practice of uh, meditation, uh, talking to, to people, guiding people, it just became the most astonishing discovery in my life because it gave me the practical tools to actually know and corroborate that this is what I was seeking in essence. And so that's what created my, my desire to continue to do this and under this lens, which again, um, it, it created a, um, more of a, a focus rather than a, uh, a rejection of other things, just a focus. And that focus is on, um, on showing this, on portraying this in all of my content. Now, I have a couple of notes that I wanted to share as I, I did this, this introduction to this series, which again is just going to be me talking about the different things of my perception and my experience and how things are, so people can understand better my approach and my view of reality. Uh, especially after me not wanting to look for something in particular because I feel unfulfilled. And I think that's the key thing that we all, we, we all want. We all want to act from, uh, from this place of, I don't need anything. I really don't. I am completely satisfied with what is. And th there's a long talk about the ego here that I cannot fit in this episode. <laughs> But let's get to the notes. You see, I have to start with what, what begins our exploration, which is the, the, the only question that matters, which is who am I? And when, when we have proper guidance, uh, and, and again, th this can be in the Christian mysticism, this can be through uh, Hinduism, this can be through shamanism, it doesn't matter. As long as we have the proper guidance into knowing the self, who am I, that's the only question that really matters, this will take us down to our essence. And our essence is pure awareness or pure consciousness. Now, that's not it right that's that's just a recognition of saying yes that's what i am i mean it's a it's an important one it's a it's definitely a um a strong realization and it takes a little bit of effort to to get there just a little bit not too much but it does and so when we get there then we start exploring its nature because if this is who I really am, then I would like to explore its nature. What are its qualities? And like I said already, I let the cat out of the bag. Its nature is peace, love, understanding, compassion, beauty, truth, love. Those are its qualities. You see? 
But if anything, I know that awareness is just the basis of what I call me, myself. There are many more things that come out of this realization, but I won't get into those. Now, here's the thing. And like I have said in this uh, first episode of becoming one with reality, we understand this intellectually. You see that all is consciousness. And that's the first step. That's okay. We understand this intellectually. We see and say, okay, yes, I get it. You know, all of this is awareness and I am that, okay. But then we are presented with the option of investigating what does it mean to live under that knowledge? What's the meaning of it? Does it have any implications of my life or in my life? Here's the, uh, here's where some people diverge. And most people, um, because of the conditioning of the mind, tend to ignore this this crucial. I mean, this is this is the pivotal point. This is where you either go back to your previous assumptions of reality, or where you start questioning them from a new, fresh, and completely. Um, opposite direction the non-material view of reality but is this is the di diverging point and this is this is the, the, the thing you see because we're so used to applying things from an intellectual point of view because of that we we try to to get into this as okay let me see its results and you you don't find anything that is that's just the truth you don't find anything not right away you have to believe or not believe <laughs> faith is the word that is it fits perfectly here Ra talks about will and faith being the tools of the adept. Well, first, will. You have to put your will there. Second, faith. Because you cannot see tangible results. See, that's faith. Knowing without tangible results. However, tangible results will happen, only that you won't be able to explain them. But you have to put your will there and the faith. And what is this faith placed on? Well, in the knowing that what you have discovered is that you are awareness. And the implications of this is what you explore. This is the invitation. The invitation is to see where does this exploration as me or me as awareness leads me into life? How does this uh, apply to all my old conditionings? So you follow this. And as you follow this, magic happens, you see? So this has been the invitation of the mystics across history. This invitation, um, you'll find it everywhere. Uh, Maester Eckhart, um, Jesus, of course. Do I, have, do I even have to mention 
uh, Gautama Siddhartha and uh, all the, the retinue of people that followed uh, Nagarjuna, Bodhi, uh, Dharma and so on. I mean, all of them, they have been talking about this precise point. This is the invitation of all the mystics. And I, me, Gabriel, Lugo, decided to take it. The results have been what I would call the realization that what I call me, my being, is equal to the source of life. What I essentially am is life itself. There is a particular contraction of life that I mistook for years and called me. That is the image that we're so used to and we believe we are, you see? And so this completely transforms your life. This changes everything. And I cannot emphasize it enough. And this is why my life has been devoted to teaching this. It's the only thing I'm interested in because the joy that comes out of this has no equal, in fact, has no opposite. There is no sadness opposite to this joy. There is no hate out of, uh, in the opposite of this love. There is no conflict opposite of this peace. See, there is only this. And I really cannot describe it. It is not possible for me to describe it. So that's what I'm interested. My intention is to speak from a personal point of view of unity. Uh, let me rephrase this. My intention is to speak the way I, I see life from my own personal view of what is unity, the way I experience it. This is coming from pure experience, and I emphasize this probably not enough, but this is coming from a purely experiential point of view and not a philosophical or scientific con conjecture. This is not coming from there, but from my pure experience. Yes, I may use so many concepts because one, I love it, and two, it is helpful but never confuse my words and my references and whether that be law of one or uh, the Bible or the Torah or whatever it is. I may use anything, but never confuse that with thinking that I got it from there or I'm taking it out from there or I'm teaching it out of there. No, never. The only thing I'm interested in teaching is my own experience. And if you relate to this experience, then we are a great couple, my friend. <laughs> so what happened that I can explain um, is that there was a shift of a mental material paradigm. This mental material paradigm is that we are made out of parts. Objects exist and we are here in this reality to uh, defend ourselves because we are a limited finite being that's what shifted and trust me there are so many old conditions of separation um, 
that needs need to be faced. This is the process. This is why I call the direct path is only a way in which to know yourself so you can now with confidence face these old conditionings. These old conditionings will continue to come. These old conditionings are there like a reflex in your body is there. If you have conditioned yourself to react in a specific way, you don't even have to think about it, you just react. So these reactions must be put in place. Imagine that instead of seeing actual flies, now you know that there are not flies, that they're just holographic flies that are not going to... So believe me, your reactions to the flies are going to be the same. You're gonna to wanna to swat them. But now you have realized that you're not swatting anything. So let the reactions be and observe them. This, this is how all conditions are dissolved, but they need to be seen under the lens of that they're not real. So this is the shift that happens in the awakened person. And when I mean awakened, I have to be very careful with this word because now with new age um, overabundance of information, the word awakening means awakening to the elite of the government doing all these things to you, awakening to the fact that I am a spiritual being, awakening to all of these are, let's say, uh, realizations. Let's just call them um, knowing. I became aware of this. That's, that's what it is. But awakening in the mystical sense means awakening from the illusion of separation, awakening from the fact that I am no longer this contraction or I no longer identify with the contraction of life that is this that's happening here. And so you move on to a different uh, view, which is the unified field of consciousness. That is where you move. Now I'd like to finish this with an analogy that will fit perfectly here and that I like to use. Um, some of this analogy I have brought from uh, Rupert Spira, who I highly admire and respect. Um, perhaps the most popular person talking about the direct path. I have it in my channel, go check it out as a recommended channel. Um, find out his, uh, his books, his videos, everything. I totally recommend Rupert Spira. And actually, if you are a listener of Law of One, I'll give you a little story. Um, the way I got into Rupert Spira, if you listen to the music I play in the Law of One in the background, that's my friend Colby from Dream State Logic, as you may be aware. Uh, links are always in the description, of course, to go check his music. He's coming out with an album soon, so can't wait for that. And Colby was the one who sent me that, so Colby, if you're there, thank you, brother. I love you. As always, I tell you, uh, and I'm looking forward to that album. But yeah, uh, thanks to Colby is that I found Rupert Spear and this analogy that I'm going to use, and he uses it a lot with the screen, but I'm going to move it into something uh, more that you can see because I like to play with analogies. See, all this time we have been living in a world that seems made out of parts, objects, material stuff. It's a material uh, universe, right? That's one of the things that Ross says in the first session. 
You're not living in a material universe. Your thoughts, your dancing thoughts. And so the analogy is the screen. The screen you may be watching this video or the screen that your device may have as you play this podcast. This screen is um, made out of electricity. That's all there is. I mean, the, never mind the composition of the screen being of a specific material, but um, the screen projects what the screen projects. The screen, the, the screen has nothing. It's blank. It has nothing, right? That's the nothingness. But images are projected, right? And the images and colors that you see there are just pure electricity. That's it. But you see, the nature of the um, of the images is um, the, the screen is all there is, right? The screen never comes uh, apart from the images. The images never come apart from the screen. They're one and the same. However, the images do come and go. They change. They vary. They uh, acquire different colors and so on. So this changes. We have been identifying ourselves with the images of the screen, not knowing that what we really are is the screen. And you see, electricity is energy. That's all there is. Electricity is energy. Energy is constantly moving and changing. But here's one thing about electricity. Electricity being energy. Energy cannot be created, nor can it be destroyed. It can only be transformed, change. And so when we look at the mind, we're looking at energy. In fact, Ra calls it intelligent energy. How's that for a uh, perfect analogy? <laughs> Everything that we see is made out of intelligent energy. But the seer, the true self, is not the energy. The energy is a modulation of itself. The seer, which is all there is, is the screen. So, so far we have been identifying with um, with the moving images and then in the um, in the communities I have seen the lot of, that a lot of people identify still with the energy. The energy is not who you are. Energy is always changing. But it is a step uh, closer to the truth. As you see that you are not the images, it's closer, but it's not really what it is. Who you are is the contained container. It's the best word. You are the container of reality. And as that, you're immune to everything. You're imperturbable. You're perfect. That's the you that is perfect. The image can never be perfect because for that it would need to be infinite. So it makes no sense. There is a paradox there. 
the image always need to be imperfect and that makes it perfect <laughs> so without getting into more philosophy here uh, this is this is the introduction that I wanted to make because uh, I feel that it's important for everybody who follows me who listens to me to know this uh, and to see where I may disappoint in some of the seeking aspects that some people may have uh, as I have told some people that have come to work with me I can't I, I'm not interested in psychic powers uh, some people unknowingly are interested in these uh, type of things they're coming to the law of one because they think they can find information there I, I I'm not I cannot discern that in within the law of one how to use psychic powers in fact uh, Ra several times told Don that they weren't interested in that <laughs> um, subtly but they did and their answers were very short and concise when it came to moving metals with your mind and doing the these kind of uh, psychic uh, powers so yeah I thought this was needed and I I wanted to share it with you I'm grateful to be able to to be in this position uh, I'm full of gratitude to be able to be in this position of teaching showing demonstrating how this is our reality and how we can come out if we're interested if we're really really interested and honest about ourselves then what awaits us is this it's just pure bliss satchitananda as it says in hinduism but that's all i got to share today uh, i appreciate your time in listening to this and your interest as well because um it's a it's a beautiful path and I'm glad that you're taking it in a way along with me um, I'm sure we'll do more things together so with that being said thank you again I appreciate you and I'll see you in the next episode